Welcome to another edition of the Redbird Report, and uh, we're finally, well, somewhat healthy. Uh, how you feeling, Nate? Welcome back. Man, I'm still on the day-to-day disabled list, but uh, feeling much better, and yeah, good to be back in the studio, and good to be back in the office today. Happy to hear it. Well, got a lot to talk about. The Missouri Valley Conference schedule has come to a close. All 18 games have been played. The stage is set for Arch Madness, which begins Thursday of this week, and I'll tell you what, I'm pretty excited about about heading down to St. Louis. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. I mean, this is something that we, you know, circled on our calendars months ago, and I remember discussing it, you know, right as the season started, and it's kind of, you know, crazy that it's actually here. This weekend, we'll be leaving early Thursday morning, and uh, yeah, it's just crazy that it's already upon us. So last night, or yesterday afternoon, however you want to frame it, Illinois State closed out the season at the Gentile Arena up in Chicago, played the Missouri Valley Conference champion, the Loyola Ramblers, former ISU coach Porter Mosier, and it was a doozy. Uh, I'll tell you what, I know I was telling Nate off before we came on, had to be one of the best college basketball atmospheres I've been in outside of Arch Madness, a conference tournament setting I think you can't really compare to that, especially last year when you have teams like Wichita State and Illinois State you know, going at it for you know, potentially an automatic bid and an at-large bid. So you got to throw that one out the window and then the NIT last year was another great college basketball basketball atmosphere, but yesterday was absolutely insane. I mean, a sold-out crowd, the official number, 4,963 fans in the Gentile Arena, and I, it's claustrophobic. I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it or been there, Nate, but the fans are right up on you, and they're loud, and I'll tell you what, it was a really great atmosphere, but 68-61 the final score, and... I think the one stat that stands out to both of us has to be the turnovers uh, from Illinois State. Obviously, 20 turnovers, not a season high, which is actually crazy, not a season high for Illinois State, but 20 turnovers, and that's that resulted in 15 Loyola points, and that's not a lot off 20 turnovers, but still, when you leave 20 possessions empty, there's it's hard to win a basketball game, especially on the road. Well, that's exactly right, and that's what Mueller said after the game is, you know, it's really difficult to win a game on the road at, you know, anyways. So so throw in 20 turnovers, and then that makes it, you know, that much more difficult. So, you know, you take a look, and, and you know, you say there's only 15 points off the turnovers, which is true, and could have been much worse, but you have to think about the points that ISU is leaving on the board by, by not scoring. And this is something we also kind of talked about, you know, off um, off air. Is a lot of these turnovers were bonehead you know, plays, bonehead, if you will. They were just, um, if you want to take it there. But they, yeah, a lot of them were just unforced errors for the most part. I mean, there's times where, you know, somebody's zigging and, and the other one thought it was a zag, or it was just, you know, silly things where they couldn't, you know, pass the ball on the perimeter between each other, which is. Not something you want to see in the regular season finale against a first place, you know, clinching team. That's that's probably a major reason of concern. Um, I don't know if they run for every turnover. I know there was a point in the season where they did like run for every turnover, and, and, and I hope not because they, you know, they want to have some 20, energy. Twenty's a lot of suicide. Yeah, I was gonna say that's uh, they'd be on their <laughs> last leg heading to St. Louis, but. <laughs> I know they watch film for every turnover, so um, I'm sure they'll be doing that. And I would not expect that to carry over in St. Louis. I'm sure the coaches are going to be 
all over the Redbirds for for that. I mean, you could see. I mean, you were at the game, but just on on you know on TV, they they panned to Muller, and he is just ready to just about lose it over there. So I would expect the turnovers to uh, be limited. Obviously, they're still gonna you know probably hover around ten or twelve a game, but. Um, I would be shocked if you see another one like this. And the pro- and the thing is, is where the turnovers are coming from. Ten of those twelve can't be coming, or I should say, you know, of those ten or twelve, you can't have five or six coming from Malik Yarbrough. And you know, the one pl- the one player who actually, you know, all season long has taken pretty good care of the ball. Uh, three turnovers yesterday, though, but that's where he usually sits, and you know, three is too many for him. But on a good night, Keyshawn Evans doesn't turn the ball over very much. And uh, so the good thing is that your two main ball handlers are Keyshawn Evans and Malik Yarbrough. Yarbrough, six turnovers yesterday. Uh, again, uh, not great, but not a season high for Malik. And if, if, you're, if they're going to turn the ball over, it, they can't be coming from him. Uh, I think we can both attest to this when we say that one of the main suspects of these turnovers is, is Elijah Clarence, which is why he does find himself on the bench, uh-huh. uh, you know, about 45 seconds after he's checking into a game. Yeah. But uh, one of the, you mentioned how, you know, Muller was getting pretty upset on the sidelines. There was one moment in the game, it was in the first half, and it was, I don't know, it was probably, you know, 22-20 at that point. I mean, the game was tight, tightly contested throughout. I mean, the largest lead uh, for ISU was six. Largest lead for Loyola was nine. And that was actually, I mean, that, you know, was with 26 seconds left to go in the game. So, I mean, you see how tight the game really was. But uh, so I, I can't remember. Um, it, was, it was in a, like a 45-second span. Yarbrough turns the ball over. Loyola comes down, scores. They go on offense. I, I goes back on offense. They don't score. And then Malik's, uh, Malik was guarding Lucas Williamson. And Williamson just drove right past Yarbrough. And, uh, you know, we're a... Uh, family-orientated podcast, so I can't repeat what was out of, came out of Dan Muller's mouth, but uh, he said, uh, are you yeah. kidding me? You can fill in the blank yeah. there. Uh, wish I could, but I won't. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it, the thing is, is, he's hard on Yarborough, mm-hmm. and my thing, and, and you, this is where I kind of want to you know, see your thoughts on this, I, I, in St. Louis, he he's I think he's the key to victory. I think he's make or break for ISU. If he's on, they can make a run a run to Sunday, if not to the tur- NCAA tournament. And if he's off, they might find themselves out as early as thir- as, as Friday. You know, I agree. And, and this has been the you know story of the season is when Yarbrough goes, the team goes. Um, Saturday was probably the best look at kind of how ISU will play. Um, in terms of the tournament play, I mean, this is probably the the rotations you're going to see. These are the minutes, um, you know, from from these certain guys that you're going to see. So one thing that, that kind of goes along with that, that that may be a reason for concern is only, you know, or, or, or four players made up 59 of the 61 points. Um, so who added two? Was that is that Elijah? Yeah, Elijah. Yeah, Elijah added two two points, but. Other than that, so when you have four guys, you know, combining for for such a, you know, high margin of the total points scored, that's definitely a reason to concern. So you take out Yarbrough, say he has a bad game, then that really, you know, puts the stress on on Keyshawn Evans and Phil Fain. 
And Tinsley's been huge. I mean, he had, a, what, a game-high 21 points. Season-high for him, too. Yeah, season-high for him as well. Um, I think this is the fourth time in his last six games that he's went over double digits. So, I mean, he's been huge. He's raised his uh, three-point percentage <coughs> by 8 or 9% in the last month. So, He's obviously been big time. You have to wonder how long, you know, how long you can rely on him. Is this something that's going to, you know, carry with him to the tournament? But for a guy who's just kind of showing up to the party, if you will, it's hard to put our, all your trust and reliability on him, you know, for the tournament. So that's where you have to turn to a guy who's been there all season. That's Malik. Um, what six turnovers? Yeah, that. I mean, that's just too many. I mean, he always has the ball and. You know, he had he's six assists. Yeah, we, I mean, so we talked about that early yeah, in the year, yeah. where you know Keyshawn will be like bringing the ball up, and then also Malik's like, all right, give yeah. it to him. He's like, Damn. yeah, yeah. He wants the ball. <laughs> he wants the ball, and you know he makes plays with it. Let's you know let's not discount that. And uh, six assists, and you know he he's he gets after the ball. He gets the ball himself with you know seven rebounds. So, um, yeah, I I'd, I'd really like to see him cut his turnovers down. A lot of those um, on Saturday, at least, were the product of him just trying to dribble through you know two or three different ramblers and obviously that's not going to end very well um so yeah uh it's going to be you know big time to to see kind of how malik comes out in st louis and uh you know the the team kind of goes with him so it'll be interesting to see and illinois state gave themselves a chance last night uh with the bench scoring two points and not only did the bench only score two points, they came on free throws. Oh so my gosh. the bench, where you have yesterday, let's see how deep did Dan Miller go? One, two, three, four, five. He went ten deep yesterday, right? One, two, three, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes ten deep. So you have five guys combined off the bench to not hit one shot. Nine guys. Nine guys. Just, it was nine. just second counted. But yeah, nine guys. What's he? They were 0 for 9. Yeah. 10, just a lot of zeros. 12. 12. 0 for yeah. 12. The bench was 0 for 12. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean. Well, if you count Madison Williams, Madison Williams started. I'm not sure exactly what happened to him last night. I mean, he, he plays 26 minutes, manages to turn the ball over four times, shoots 0 for 5 from the three point line. And, you know, at this point for Madison Williams, is. He's going to have to start making some shots. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, I'm not going to say he has to make his shots or he's not going to be playing because you look behind him in that role, and I mean, you have Gasman and, and Hine, and you know and David Njai. Yeah. I mean. So uh, and there's you know there's Clarence as well. So I mean that's Madison's spot. I mean I, I can't say he's going to shoot himself out of the out of the rotation, but. Um, they're going to need him. They're going to need him to make some of those spot up. I mean, he doesn't need to create his own, but he's going to na- need to make some of those, you know, post up, um, or not post up, but but kind of spot up three-pointers. So. Yeah, and, that, and that's all they really ask for him, and mm-hmm. that's, you know, his kind of shot. Played, and play defense, yeah. yeah. He sits on the wing, and he'll shoot the ball, and, you know, really he's like a defensive first player. I mean, Dan said it pretty well the other day, uh, actually at this point, probably a few weeks ago. He's like Tony Wills. He's turning himself into a uh, – he's a young Tony Wills at this point. Nobody was ever expecting – you know, great offense out, out of Tony. You know, he would sit on the wing and knock down a few three-pointers. But, I mean, yeah, that that's the tale of the game. And then, uh, you know, player of the year, probable player of the year, Clayton Custer, one for ten from the field, one for eight from three-point range. But uh, that one bucket was just about the biggest bucket of the game. Came with about a minute left where he, you know, I, ISU's down by two and he puts Loyola up. 
five, and, and that's pretty much all she wrote from there. Uh, ben Richardson, back-to-back three-pointers. Uh, ISU did answer one, answer yeah. his first. William Tinsley came back and cold-bloodedly knocked that him was, down. That yeah, was pretty that smooth. Was, that I mean, that's how you know it's a good yeah. college basketball game. Yeah. You could go shot for shot inside two minutes. Yep. That's a good basketball game. And uh-huh. uh, But then he comes down, hits another one. ISU goes on their next uh, their next possession, goes empty, and then that's when Custer comes in and, and says goodnight. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's pretty much all she wrote. Porter Mosier, uh, former Illinois State coach, uh, the first time Loyola has been the Missouri, the Missouri Valley Conference champion in their five years here. First conference title, and I believe it's it's over 30 years in, in either conference. Obviously, Loyola came to the Missouri Valley Conference from the Horizon League, so you know, kind of a drought there. Good to see you know a former ISU coach doing well, um, especially after being run out. I know uh, a few. Illinois State fans uh, that I have talked to here recently have have said it's kind of it's kind of bittersweet seeing Mosier win something because of how bad he did do here. But uh, you know you can always compare that to what you know Illinois Illinois fans still are bitter about Bill Self, mm-hmm. you know for how bad he did with the Fighting Illini. And uh, well, no, Let's see how that, that turned out. Yeah. Well, they're probably pretty happy now with his, his yeah, with Kansas popping up in the old FIB yeah, pro, right FBI the, probe. So right at the top of that. <laughs> But uh, so now we talked a lot about Arch Madness. The Illinois State Redbirds are going to go down as the three seed, and a lot had to happen for that to you know come out the way it did. Uh, it all came down to the Bradley Indiana State game. If Bradley had beaten the Sycamores, Illinois State was going to be the four seed playing Bradley at two thirty. But Indiana State won, so Illinois State the three seed playing Indiana State at eight thirty p.m. A uh, a nightmarish uh, tip off for the media members. Uh, working on some deadlines, uh, you know. Hopefully the press conferences get over by about eleven, and then uh, then it's crunch time. But Nate will be down there. Uh, the three seated Illinois State Redbirds, the six seated Indiana State Sycamores. The last time these two met, we were there in Terre Haute, and uh, at one point with about six or seven minutes left to go we looked up at the scoreboard and uh it read 84 to 44 yeah uh it was a beatdown, and brenton scott and jordan barnes are really the duo that make that team go and we were talking about it again as you were writing a column that uh will be published in tomorrow's paper online tomorrow morning uh, uh and you mentioned jordan barnes and brenton scott and and they're really the duo that isu has to key on and there's no there's going to be no such thing as stopping them you can't stop them but you can limit them and if illinois state wants a chance that's what they're going to have to do yeah i mean i think you said it best is that uh, barnes and scott they're going to score their points. I mean, they're not just going to completely take them out of the game. And either um, one of them on e- any given night can go for 30. Yeah, and that's the problem. I mean, that's that's the problem. Um, it is, you know, both of them were clicking um, on their home floor back in uh, January 20th was was uh, that game. And, you know, Sycamores ended up winning 84-54, to 54, which um, – you know, as you mentioned, was a little bit light because at, at a point <laughs> they had a forty-point game. Yeah. game. So um, had a more exciting car ride there. Uh, yeah, well, that's debatable. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, yeah, they, those Indiana highways are, are, are pretty uh, gruesome. Yeah, yeah, those yellow flashing lights and a red uh, light or two. But, uh, but yeah, no, yeah, it it, it was a uh, it, it was, was a, a interesting trip. Uh, but yeah, 
Indiana State, it's almost you know surprising to me that they're only a sixth seed and that they've kind of only have performed to the level they they have because you know from the eye test you know two games we've seen from them uh in person they've been uh pretty good pretty good i mean they they couldn't have played better um on their home floor uh it wasn't just scott and barnes i mean they had the whole team going they had five guys and in double figures um they have a really just complete team i mean they have an inside presence with brandon murphy um I know he's among the uh, conference's leading scorers. I think he's in like the top 15-ish. Um, so he's up there, and um, he's a big boy. He's, he's just a, a big guy. He's, he's a just truck. a big guy. Um, obviously, ISU had trouble with Cameron uh, Crutwig, who's also kind of has a you know bigger build, but but Murphy's even bigger than that, and, he, and he's even more experienced. So I think they list him as two as two seventy five. So so Indiana State really really matches up well um, with Illinois State, which is which is kind of a concern for Redbirds on a first round game in a three six. Um, you'd like it to kind of lean more in the Redbird favor than I think it actually does. Um, so yeah, I mean you're, you're Muller. I'm sure will have the team ready. Um, they're gonna have to be ready because this is not a cakewalk here in the first round. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, to say the least. So, um, but yeah, this. I mean, not to say this isn't a game they can win or, or can't win. I mean, I, I just kind of looking at the bracket. I, I kind of like ISU side. I mean, they have a. They got the easier side for sure. They, there's no question that they have the easier side. I mean, mm-hmm. they they beat Indiana State and they'll either play Southern, uh, Missouri State, or Valparaiso. I mean, how about Southern yesterday? Lost by 30 to yeah. Evansville. 30. So, so either of those teams or, or any of those three teams um, are very beatable. ISU has beat all three of them at, at certain points in this season. So um, this is definitely a favorable side of the bracket. Um, they were one Bradley what loss away from playing from a potential 4-5 matchup and, and a scary Loyola team in the second round. So... You know, they, they kind of, uh, you know, I'd say they got lucky in terms of, of their side of the bracket. I mean, I don't love the 8.30 start time, but I, I, I do like, from an ISU perspective, I do like the road to Sunday. Yeah, and it, it's the best-case scenario where they found themselves in the bracket, but I think a few Redbird fans that I've seen on Twitter and, and whatnot and, and that I have talked to are acting as if this is a cakewalk, that have said – you know what? This is this is a road to Sunday. Yeah, it, it the path to Sunday is there. Now, are they going to take that path? Now, some people forget that everyone said the same thing two years ago when Indiana State and Illinois State played on Friday night at eight thirty against each other in a three six matchup. Indiana State stunned ISU. Stunned ISU. I mean, this this there was it was. Uh, Illinois State couldn't have hit water if they fell out of a boat that day. And, I mean, that's just how to put it. And the same thing can happen because we've seen this team have halves where they go out and shoot three for 21 from the three-point line and make maybe, you know, 
you know, two other baskets, you know, yeah. you know, maybe a, a layup throw. from, yeah, a free throw or two. And so I, I, it's not a cakewalk. It's an easier matchup. It's a better, you know, path once you get past Indiana State. But, you know, they'll have to do that first. I, and we'll have our predictions. Uh, you know, we'll have ISU game predictions. We'll have our championship predictions uh, all on Wednesday's edition as we kind of, you know, have a full-fledged Arch Madness podcast. But, you know, the people who are celebrating that they got Indiana State, I don't know if I'm celebrating. The only thing that you're celebrating is you don't have to see Loyola until a potentially Sunday, if you you know if both teams can meet on Sunday. Um, but that's about all we'll kind of dive into. Like we said, we want to save some of that content for Wednesday. But awards, the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, Freshman of the Year will all be named on Tuesday. That will come out Tuesday along with all of your first-teamers, second-teamers, um, and all bench teams, uh, and all freshman team, and I, you know, all defensive team, and, you know, I keep, you know, reeling them off now as I, you know. But anyway, all of those teams uh, and awards will be named on Tuesday. So, Nate, we've seen all these teams. Uh, let's just kind of – we're not predicting any first-team, second-team. Uh, no. That's above our pay grade, I, yeah. I would say. Um but just the big ones. Uh, let's start with the player of the year. I think both of us kind of have agreed on this. Uh, at some point this season, and I'll be the first person to go back on this, uh, you know, it was our first issue after winter break. I came out with, I wrote a column that had said Malik Yarborough and Alizé Johnson have separated themselves inside the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, there's such a thing as a reporter, broadcaster, jinx, and you know what, maybe that's what I did to both of them because, you know, I wouldn't say that either of their play has fallen off, but it's been... In a in a non bad way, it's been easily forgettable. It hasn't been, you know, you don't see any more twenty point halves from Malik Yarborough that save Illinois State in a victory. You're not seeing twenty five points, twenty three rebounds from Alize Johnson anymore. Uh, and actually, you've seen a couple of clunkers from Alize where he, you know, the one game he only had three points, three boards, and had four fouls. I mean, so there were some real clunkers in between there. And I think the two of them kind of played themselves out of that award. Uh, I think it was always going to be Alizé's. I think Malik really, really had to have played some great, great basketball uh, in order to take that one. But I think we both agree Loyola's Clayton Custer uh, will take home the award unless you have uh, another one. I think Clayton Custer, with, with Custer out due to injury to start the year, Loyola was 2-3, and three, I believe. Since yeah. then, they've only lost uh, two more games. And, you know, he's turned it around. He's among the top scorers in the Valley, uh, an Iowa State transfer. And, I, you know, it showed. That, that shot he hit yesterday is a player of the year type shot. And uh, if I had a vote, my vote would be for Clayton Custer. Yeah, and, I mean, that would be a safe bet. Um, you know, the best player on the best team is always a good way to go. Um, you know, I don't think it's a runaway uh, vote. I don't think it's mm-hmm. one that you, you know, say is unanimous because I, I could see arguments, you know, against Custer uh, just oh, really yeah. briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you met, uh, one telling stat is that the team was 2-3 and three without him. That, that's, I think, his the biggest stat and in And they his rushed favor. him back. I mean, yeah. They shouldn't say they rushed him back. He came back probably two or three games early mm-hmm. and still was putting up good numbers. But they needed him and that, you know, they kind of – sense that urgency to bring him back a little early right so i mean and, and he's one of five players on his team that that averages double double or, or double digit scoring totals that's got to be 
the only team in the conference that has that many mm-hmm. uh, players over 10 points. So, you know, kind of shows that there are other guys that will score the ball. Um, you know, I can't say the same about <coughs> Alizé Johnson. You know, if he doesn't score, now that I, I'm looking at the, the league leaders, there's nobody else um, from Missouri State in the top 20 in scoring. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the thing about, you know, a guy like Alizé or a guy like uh, Yarbrough, who I think should still get um, some attention mm-hmm. in, in this vote is that they they do more than just score. I mean, uh, Alize is averaging. Let's see, he has 15 points, but he's averaging uh, 11 course. rebounds. Yeah. So I mean, that's hard to argue with. But then you look at Malik, and he's averaging a point higher uh, with 16 points, six rebounds, and um, you know, and he leads. He actually leads the conference in assists at four and a half. So. That's kind of hard to argue as well. I mean, 16, 6, and 5, I mean, that's pretty tough to argue with as well. So I'll be curious to see how it goes. I, I would assume that it goes, you know, if I had to guess um, who it would be, I, I would I would guess Custer. Um, if I had a vote, I don't know, maybe I'd go Alizé. It, it, it's kind of tough to, you know, player of the year, to me, that means uh, that's, that's not saying necessarily most valuable. Um, I think that's saying... You know who's the best player, right? And I think that is probably Alize Johnson. But uh, yeah, just moving on to newcomer of the year. I think mm-hmm. uh, that one will be coming to ISU. I think yeah. that's. I think that's a, that one's unanimous. That one I think you want to talk unanimous. about a unanimous one. I think that one's unanimous. And for that's the the, the reasons you just mentioned, sixteen, uh, sixteen points, leads the league in assists. I mean, he took home. Five newcomer of the award, newcomer of the week awards, yeah. which I have to go back. I think that is that's an Illinois State record, and I think it's a new Missouri Valley Conference record. I have to go back and check that, but I believe that is the case. Can't argue against that. Yeah. That's unanimous. That's to me. Malik Yarbrough, newcomer of the year. Um, so yeah, freshman, freshman of the year. <clears throat> you saw him yesterday, uh, Cameron Crutwig from Loyola, and there's a few. About two weeks ago, I said that it was going to be Krupp. I thought it would be Crutwig or Elijah uh, Childs from Bradley, who was an Illinois State recruit, uh, came close to getting him, did not. But uh, you know, it. Uh, I, I I I think it's going to Crutwig, and you've seen why. He could take over games. He could take over. You know, arguably, you know, you know, Phil Fain's going to probably wind up on some. Some all-team list. You know, probably if I had to guess, Phil might fall maybe to the second team. You know, he, he has a case for a second team. Yeah. But, um, you know, you saw what he did do. You know, arguably one of the better players in the Missouri Valley Conference in Phil Fain last night. And, uh, you know, 8 for 10 from the field, 4 for 4 yesterday in the first half. And, you know, Cameron Crutwig, you saw how big of a, you know, body he is and the difference he makes it to me the freshman of the year. Another one. That's going to be. I think votes will be tossed around because there's you know, yeah. some other players throughout the league. Uh, you know, Northern Iowa has a freshman of the year who, or freshman who's, who's very, you know, capable of winning it, very deserving. But to me, it's Crutwig in, in, a, in a close race. And uh, Nate, I think. Yeah, no disagreements for me. I mean, Crutwig is he is uh, shown consistently this season how dominant. Honestly, I mean, it's crazy to use that word with a true freshman, but. He is uh, about as dominant as you can be for a, for a true freshman, um, you know, big guy, front court guy. So, I mean, he's eight for ten in a huge game with you know his team's leading scorer. That's off the bench too. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean that's my vote, and, and yeah, there's there's no telling me different on that one. And the final one, which we will not find out on Tuesday, we'll find out Thursday at the Coach of the Year luncheon, and obviously we just gave it away. It's the Coach of the Year. Uh, last year, Illinois State's Dan Muller uh, beat out Wichita State's Greg Marshall uh, by just, I believe it was two points. Uh, this year, I think votes are going to be spread around to three or four candidates. Uh, I think Porter Mosier is going to win the award. I think Barry Hinson from Southern Illinois deserves some votes. Yep. I think Nico Medvev from Drake deserves a few votes. Picked to finish last. And they're going to be entering Arch Madness as the four seed. Yep. And then the final one will be Bradley's Brian Wardle. Uh, I think those are the four who are, who are at least in contention to receive some votes. But uh, hard to argue, Porter Mosier, 25-5 and five overall, 15-3 in the Valley, outright champions. Uh, to me, it's, it, it's yeah, Porter Mosier. That's another one to me. And I agree with all the other guys you mentioned that should get a, a look and maybe a couple second-place votes or, or whatever like that. But, yeah, yeah Mosier um, is the guy, and I, I think he's kind of the runaway candidate. And so that's all we've got on this edition. Like we said, Wednesday we'll have a full-blown Arch Madness preview. We'll talk Illinois State, Indiana State. We'll take a look at some of the other games. We'll talk about the awards that will have been announced a day prior on Tuesday. And we will talk to you guys on Wednesday. We'll have full coverage from Arch Madness as Nate and I will be heading down to St. Louis on Thursday for the Coach of the Year luncheon and we'll stay through Championship Sunday. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Uh, For Nate Head, I'm Michael Marr, and we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.